As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of hopefully your favorite podcast, the Food Heaven Podcast. How's it going in New York City, Wendy? It's going. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I say every time somebody asks me how it's going, which I get that question like 10 times a day. (laughs) Every meeting that I'm on on Zoom, how's it going? (laughs) it's going (laughs) yeah it is definitely going it is tensions are high yeah especially my family it's just like it's just a lot and I think (laughs) people are on edge yeah I feel like everyone has their own way of dealing with the stress and then in the Bay Area now they've extended the shelter in place through May at least so it's just a lot to take in Yeah, I don't know how long it's going to be going on here for. But yeah, just taking it day by day, trying not to go crazy. I might try to go on the fire escape this week because the weather's getting really nice. Is it sturdy? It is. Yeah, it's pretty sturdy. It's like an old school building. Very, yeah, very sturdy. I was always terrified to go on the fire escape in New York. I had one, but I was just like, this doesn't feel safe. I remember I had like a couple parties and we would like go on the fire escape. And after like 30 seconds, I was like, nope, I'm going back inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, growing up, it was very normal for everybody to like chill on the fire escape. So it might just be like, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a little more normal for me, but I haven't like chilled on the fire escape since I was young. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. We are really excited about this episode, but before we jump in, we want to read a listener review. So this review is from rclem725. They said, fantastic. I recently started listening to this podcast and following Food Heaven on Instagram after a recommendation from a couple cooks. Thanks, couple cooks. I had asked them for a good resource to help me learn how to get what I need nutrient-wise from a mostly vegetarian diet. I feel like I've already gotten so much more than that. This pod is so great so far, and I love how they are breaking diet culture and ditching the idea of being afraid of your body size slash shape. Give this podcast a listen. It's good for your soul. That is so sweet. We really appreciate it. And it actually falls in line with this week's episode. We had a listener call in. She happens to be my former client. It's okay. She mentioned that I'm not outing her and she asked about diet culture and COVID-19. So we're going to go ahead and play her question for you and then jump right back in. Hey, Jess, this is Dominique. I am a former client and I love the show and I am calling from Cincinnati, Ohio. And my question is just so right now it is so much going on, so much 
social media explosion out there. And a lot of that has been really fun and helpful to sort of stay engaged with the world. But what I'm noticing is sort of an uptick in all of these sort of like diet culture rearing its ugly head and all these suggestions for how to stay quote unquote fit. (laughs) And it's become really triggering for myself. And um, I recently was talking with my colleague um, and she also, she herself is recovering from an eating disorder. And so we decided to host an event coming up on April 16th, a virtual event with some of the students that we work with around body acceptance during social distancing and coronavirus. And I would just love to have any of your thoughts, suggestions, wisdom. I know you've got it because I was blessed to be one of your clients and have been listening to the show for a long time and love you both so much and hope that you're doing okay and hanging in there. (laughs) I just am so grateful for the work that you do and definitely sharing it with students and folks who are in my circle. And my social media handle on Instagram is underscore joy, J-O-Y underscore goddess. Wow. That was such an amazing question. I loved working with Dominique. Thank you so much for calling and leaving that. I'm so excited that you're still listening to the podcast. And I love that event idea. I'm sorry we didn't make it in time in terms of like responding, but I know you probably did an amazing job and we can still kind of fill in some of the gaps potentially with this episode. So thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. And for those of you who want to give us a ring and leave your question or comment, that number is going to be 833-366-3486. Again, 833-366-3486. And yeah, you could drop your question in there or if you have anything that you want to share with us and leave your name, your IG handle if you want to share that and maybe we'll feature it on a future episode. So there's so much to talk about and you know, in terms of dissecting that question, I feel like a good place to start might be just some of the stuff that we have been seeing online. So some of the memes, have you seen anything out there that's been like ridiculous? You know, I've gotten a lot of messages like in my groups, like, oh my God, I'm I'm gaining so much weight or just like commentary, I would say from friends and family about weight gain. And, you know, I guess they come to me. I don't, I really don't understand because people already know my approach, but they still, right. <laughs> they, me too, yeah, they girl. still come to me <laughs> and they're just like, I don't know what to do. It's like, you know, because right. I, I feel like I pretty much give them a pretty similar response every time. But yeah, just like concerned about weight gain, about body shapes shifting, especially as the summer is coming. There's like Mm. all of the summer body goals and how like COVID is compromising that. So that's what I've been coming across. I don't know. I'm sure there's like a lot of stuff on social media, but I haven't really seen it as much. Yeah, that's good that you haven't seen it because it probably means that you're feed is like pretty diversified and doesn't have that kind of stuff. I actually haven't seen it on social as much either, but with like a quick Google search, because people are, again, are asking me the same questions. I was able to kind of find just these articles and these tweets, like the quarantine 15 is the new freshman 15, or someone tweeted, I'm going to gain the Corona 19 after eating all my snacks. And 
people probably look at this, these kind of comments is like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, you know, I just want to be healthy and get my snatch summer bod, but it actually can be pretty problematic. So Wendy, do you want to start by like explaining why it might be problematic if people don't realize that? Yeah, for so many reasons. I think right now, as I'm sure we all know, there's just like a sense of panic and helplessness and, you know, putting on all of this pressure, not just about weight loss, but even about which we spoke about this in our episode last week about like things that you can do to like ward off the virus or just like ways to take control of this situation that's really hard to take control of. I think ultimately it just produces more panic and more frustration because, I mean, for people who do want to pursue weight loss for whatever reason, like this is just the least ideal time to do so because there's just so much going on. We've spoken about this a lot on our podcast, but it's like, where is this desire to lose weight coming from? Where is this fear coming from about body shifting? You know how that all ties into like fat phobia and that weight gain is inherently bad. So I think those are a few of the reasons why this can be problematic. What do you think? I was going to just add to that that you don't know who is watching that, who might be affected or who is reading it and who might be affected. So just to give you guys an example, there's 30 million Americans who are suffering from an eating disorder. That's a lot of people. You never know who might be reading it. And that might be the one thing that's like triggering for them that sets them off or that gets them to restart behaviors. And especially in this like kind of isolated situation where people feel really unsafe. Well, I mean, just in general, but especially like unsafe around food, those kind of comments are not going to be helpful. Also, like Wendy said, it's so steeped in fat phobia that you don't really realize that there are people in larger bodies who might be reading this and they're taking it obviously like as an insult because you're saying like, oh, if I gain 15 pounds, then that's bad and something's wrong with me. But what about the person who is in a larger body than you where that's insulting to them or that's, you know, fat phobic towards them? So you just have to really realize that these things can be really hurtful and we hopefully want to help everybody get to a place where we can look at weight in a more neutral way or even weight gain in a more neutral way. So it doesn't mean we have all this pressure to do all the things and all the fitness and start restricting our eating. But I know that if this is the first time you might be hearing this approach coming from dietitians, you might be like, that makes no sense. Aren't you guys all about like health and it doesn't weight gain equal poor health. And we want to kind of use this as an opportunity to dispel some of the myths about health and weight by introducing a concept to you, which you've probably heard of before. But for those who are just starting to listen, or who may not know what we mean when we say health at every size, we want to get a little bit more in depth with what health at every size means and kind of where it comes from. So Wendy, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So health at every size is a movement that is inclusive of people of all sizes. And instead of focusing on weight loss, this movement really focuses on addressing health behaviors, lifestyle behaviors. And it also recognizes things like race, nationality, ethnicity, sexuality, gender, disability status, like all of these other factors that also affect our health. And so it's an alternative to the 
the weight loss model. And so when we were training to become dietitians, this was a concept that we were not very familiar with because it wasn't taught when we were doing our programs. But I think now more than ever, a lot more dietitians, health professionals are learning about this movement. And it's been incredibly helpful in the work that we've done with our clients because it's more inclusive. I mean, people feel seen. They don't feel all of this pressure to have to lose weight to attain good health, whatever that looks like for them. And also it's evidence-based, which I think is really important to note because, you know, I think a lot of people when learning about health at every size and not like digging too deep into it, they say, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But what about all of the evidence that says that obesity is bad and that having a BMI higher than a 25 is going to put you at XYZ risk? And so there is a good amount of research behind health at every size. And we're going to be talking about some of the studies that have been done. And specifically, there's a book by Linda Bacon, which is excellent. I recommend that you all read. It's called Health at Every Size. <laughs> so good. I promise you guys should read it. Too. Yeah. And, and also because she like highlights a lot of like this research that I'm talking about, but it's very digestible. Like it, it's not like for a, written for a dietitian or a scientist or, any, or someone with like a research background, like you will be able to understand what she is talking about, but you will also have a more thorough understanding of the science and why a lot of science that is published is problematic when it comes to weight. So there's this assumption that being overweight, being obese puts people at a significant health risk. And so in this book, she dives into like a lot of the epidemiological studies that have been done. And so the thing is with research, it's like, I think especially for people that don't have a research background or a health background, you take it at face value, but then you don't flesh out all of the details. So for a lot of these studies that have been done about weight, they rarely acknowledge factors like fitness, nutrient intake, weight cycling, poverty. Like these are all things that are interconnected and that have an outcome on disease risk. And so these are all things that have a huge impact on disease risk. They play a huge role and these factors are not controlled for in a lot of these studies. And then what's been found is that when studies do control for these factors, that increased risk of disease disappears or it's significantly reduced. There's also this idea that people who are in the overweight or obese category die sooner than people in the normal weight category. And with almost all epidemiological studies that have been done, they indicate that people in the overweight and moderately obese categories live at least as long or longer than people in the normal weight category. So I think like those are just, you know, some of the nuances of this research, a lot of this stuff is not accounted for. And so it leads to a lot of misinformation and a lot of fear around weight gain, which is totally understandable because it's like, even for us as dietitians, we take a lot of things at face value because they're written by health professionals. So we're like, <laughs> yeah, you know, they know what they're talking about. You know, it takes a lot of time to like take a deep dive into this research, which is why I'm so grateful for the Health at Every Size movement, because it's completely of health professionals who are dedicated to really challenging the science and looking at these nuances. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that. And I feel like it's something that we talk about, but we never actually have gone in detail about. So I'm just happy that this question gives us a chance to do that. The other assumption, and we talk about this on the podcast, is that anybody who is determined to lose weight can lose weight and keep it off. 
every client who I have who wants to lose weight believes this assumption as well and thinks that there's something wrong with them when they have a hard time kind of like maintaining what they believe is their like quote unquote ideal weight. And in the Health at Every Size book and, you know, a lot of the different research studies that they look at, what they found is the vast majority of people who try to lose weight regain it again, regardless of whether or not they maintain their diet or exercise program. I'm going to say that again. So the majority of people who try to lose weight regain that weight regardless of whether or not they maintain their diet or exercise program. And this occurs in all studies, no matter how many calories or what proportions of fat, protein, or carbohydrates are used in a diet or what type of exercise programs are pursued. Many studies also show that dieting is a strong predictor of future weight gain. So if anybody did our course, Walk Into Wellness, we talk about this as well, that like the number one thing that you can do to gain weight is to go on a diet because it kind of, you know, puts your body into that conservation mode. It's not as efficient at burning calories. It also at the same time increases what we call like your set point weight, which means that your body's weight that it feels like is best for you or the weight range, I guess, um, where it feels most comfortable at, it will increase that. And so you have to eat a lot less and a lot less and a lot less and not meet your needs in order to maintain that weight. And over time, that's pretty much impossible, which is why you'll see like people on all these different diet plans, like they lose the weight, but a very small percentage can actually keep it off, which is why it's like people are bouncing from one plan, maybe for six months to the next plan to the next plan. So just keep that in mind as well. It's very, very hard to fight against your biology when it comes to weight loss. Also 70% of weight is genetic or whatever your body determines like is it set point range that comes from your genes. And so we don't have as much control as we'd like to think. So that's one thing I feel like in my mind, I think of it as like a hamster wheel where you're just kind of like trying to control your weight and you're just like spinning in the hamster wheel, like over and over. And maybe like, you know, you kind of get to that weight, but then it always is like out of reach and it can drive people crazy. And so we want to, you know, talk about some alternatives. Yeah. And something that I see come up again and again is that weight loss is synonymous with health gain. And so there's this assumption that, well, if I lose weight, like I'm automatically going to be healthier or I am going to lose weight because I want to pursue better health. And for a lot of this health at every size research, most health indicators can actually be improved through changing health behaviors, regardless of whether weight is lost. And this is all backed by research. So shifting gears a little bit into what's going on with this whole COVID situation, I don't know if some of you have seen that there have been some studies being put out there or just like health-related articles published saying that People that have a higher BMI are at a higher risk for being hospitalized, being admitted to the ICU, being put on a ventilator. And so we want to kind of flesh all of that out and share some of our thoughts. Yeah. So one of the best resources that I saw was an article by Christy Harrison. We're going to link to it in the show notes. And I kind of want to draw from that article for just giving you guys a little bit more context for some of this information so you don't take from 
this, that, oh, you know, my family members who might be in a larger body at a higher weight, or if I'm in a larger body at a higher weight, I then need to lose weight in order to protect myself from COVID and kind of get anxious about that. So let's just first talk about the three studies really quickly that Christy had mentioned were the ones that most people are seeing that are kind of getting them feeling nervous. So the first one was just a report in the CDC that said that 48% of people who were hospitalized for COVID were in the obese category in the BMI. So that was the first one. Then there was this very small French study that found that people with a BMI of 35 or above were at higher risk of being put on a ventilator. And then there was another letter to the editor from the Journal of Clinical Infectious Disease. And that found that people who had a BMI of 30 or above were at higher risk of being hospitalized and also having an ICU admission. And that was if they were less than 60 years old. And then what they found, which was interesting, was that people who were older than 60, weight didn't seem to be that important. So those are kind of what's out there and what's getting everyone freaking out. Now let's talk about why we should really like look at those studies and take them with a grain of salt. And I'm really, again, going to point to the article Christy wrote. It was in Wired. We're going to link to it. The thing that I think is the most important, and this is kind of going back to what Wendy was saying with the health at every size movement, is that these studies didn't account for race, socioeconomic status, quality of care, which are all like kind of social determinants of health. And these things will also affect the outcome. So if there's somebody who, you know, we look, we look at the news and we see like black people are dying at disproportionate rates, you know, who might be lower socioeconomic status, especially in New York city. And, you know, potentially may also have a history of, you know, low quality of care or healthcare that has to be acknowledged when looking at this data. So that was one thing. The other thing that they didn't really look at was other comorbidities or diseases that the person may have had that may have also put them at higher risk. So for example, diabetes or hypertension, those are two COVID-19 risk factors in oppressed groups. They weren't controlling for those things. They also weren't controlling for other inequities that might increase the rates of hospitalizations like people who had asthma or people who had chronic respiratory conditions or cancer or people who were on immunosuppressive medication use. Like they weren't looking at all those things. And so a lot of times when you do look at those things, you realize that obesity may have not been the primary risk factor. That just happened to be like maybe another symptom that was going on. She points to China and kind of some of their data and compares it to the US. And so basically what she said was almost all the published data in China, where COVID-19 has been studied since first being discovered in December of 2019, shows that high BMI alone isn't associated with developing disease or with having a critical outcome. So in China, they actually controlled for all these other factors and found that when you do control for them, just having the high BMI wasn't something that puts you at higher risk or at higher risk of having a negative outcome. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Again, we're going to link the article just so you guys can read it, digest it, have hopefully a little bit more peace of mind comes to just linking obesity and saying like, hands down, that's a thing that's a risk factor and know that there's a little bit more nuance to it and we're still early in the the research phase. Yeah, hopefully that helps. We wanted to also kind of talk about what are some 
things that given all this information, being triggered potentially online with everything that's been coming out and all the memes and stuff, what are some things that you can do to take care of yourself? So let's get into that. Well, something that's been really helpful for me is just accepting whatever it is that I'm feeling at that moment, even though it might not be pleasant. Oftentimes it hasn't been pleasant these past few days, weeks, and just kind of taking it for what it is. I think there's a lot of expectation out there on what you should be doing, how you should be feeling, like how to process. And I've been trying to mute all of that out because everyone is different. And it's just, it's very annoying and overwhelming, you know, Mm -hmm. like just all this information going around about like how you should be going about COVID the right way. And it's like, I'm just trying not to go crazy right now. It's like, you're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't. Like you're doing too much, you're not doing them. And it's like, (laughs) whatever. So I've, yeah, I've just been trying to kind of mute all of that out. And I think that this all ties into body image because a lot of the messages that are out there tie into like fitness and like things that might not directly imply weight loss, but it kind of does. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I think just being mindful of that and how that's making you feel, if it's not making you feel so great, just kind of thinking about how you can shift your day or shift the way that you engage with things or shift the things that you allow into your life so that you can feel a little more at peace. And that goes down, that goes And I think that also ties into conversations that we have with people, you know, like with my friends who I mentioned earlier, like, you know, hitting me up about this, that and the third. It's like sometimes I have to just be very clear and say that's not something that I'm interested in talking about. It's very exhausting. I'm not going to give you weight loss advice. And it's just I just don't want to have those conversations, period. And that's just me. Some people might be open to having those conversations and even challenging people who are suggesting that weight loss is the way, but you have to really think about what you have energy for and how you can preserve the bit of energy that you do have and make it work for you. It's also a good time to, like Wendy said, set some boundaries and tell people like, hey, I don't want to talk about this. Or honestly, what I do is I just ignore it. (laughs) When people send me stuff like that, especially if I've already told them once, like, hey, I'm not really interested in talking about this. I just don't acknowledge it and I'll change the subject. After a while, I feel like they don't send me that stuff anymore or they know that they're not really going to get any response out of me. The other thing that I think is really important is to diversify your social media feed by following accounts that just have a little bit more representation because representation is really important when it comes to not only like films and seeing, you know, people of color in films, but also seeing different body sizes. So we have a a handful of accounts that we really like. We can also include those in the show notes. But if you just go on our podcast page, you will see almost every guest that we've had, especially in the last couple of years, as we've gotten more into the space, they would be great accounts to follow. We try to intentionally have people, you know, from different backgrounds, different shapes and sizes. So that's a good place to start. 
Yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up. And I think it's important to think about how you feel when you're engaging with content, period, because it could be that you're following all of these great accounts, but especially at a time like this, it could all just be like really overwhelming. I know with our Food Heaven account, like I'm very intentional. Like once it goes past a certain number, I just start deleting people because I don't want to engage with that much content as great as it might be. And again, like I said, we're really intentional about the accounts that we follow, but it's just like, okay, I don't want to see another like loaf of sourdough. Like it's just like I get <laughs> I get really overwhelmed. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, because then I'm like saving everything and it's like, you know, I have to make all these recipes and then it just becomes like really stressful too, even though the content is great. So just keep that in mind. I mean, that might not be the case for you, but just be mindful of, you know, how you're feeling when you're engaging with any content period. And, you know, that can kind of tie into like how much time you're spending on social media, et cetera, et cetera. But what's worked for me is just making sure that I'm not, you know, following like a million accounts because then it's just, it just becomes too much. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, well, I mean, what works for me is not even logging in if we're keeping it real. (laughs) I log in to post and just like on my private one, my personal one, I only, I don't think I really follow that many things, but even that is overwhelming. So if you're someone who's like easily overstimulated and I am the same, like I'll save everything if I'm on there. Um, I just have to be like, you know what? Delete the app. If I have something to post, open the app. Obviously, like if I post something, I really want to engage with folks. So I'll keep it up until you know, most of the comments come through and then I delete it again. So if that is what works for you. Like that's fine too. Yeah. And then I just wanted to share this really great resource that Jess and I have both used and have recommended to clients. There's a book called Body Kindness by Rebecca Scritchfield, who we've had on the podcast. And I love this book because it's a great resource, but also there's like actual activities that you can do to explore what body kindness looks like for you. So definitely check that out. In closing, I want to just acknowledge that we're all doing our best and it's been rough. Like Wendy said, there are some good days, there are some bad days. I also (laughs) brought a puppy into the mix, which is making it even more stressful. So I can only imagine like people who have kids. I can't like, there's no way I can comprehend how hard that must be for you. Or if you have family members that you're taking care of, but you know, hopefully this will all be over soon. We're trying to do what's best and take those precautions. If there's anything that has worked for you when it comes to body image and COVID-19, I really am curious and want to hear, and we, we can even share it with everybody else, like on Instagram, send us a DM and let us know what you've been doing. Cause you know, we only have like 30, 40 minutes to chat on this podcast, but there's so many things, you know, that we could go into. So let us know if you've tried anything that has worked and make sure that if you have a question, just like Dominique did, you call our number. Let's give it to the people one more time. It's 833-366-3486. Give us a call, y'all. Hope this answered your question, Dominique. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Twitter at Food Heaven Show and Facebook at Food Heaven Made Easy. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. 
Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday, and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.